over here at No Simple Road, we love melt premium mushroom chocolates. Yeah, we actually do. Yeah, of not course just we they're do. A sponsor. They are our sponsor and we love what they are doing there. We love the quality chocolates. We love the in-house um, creation of these chocolates. We love their 10 flavors. Absolutely. And you will too. Go to at melt mushrooms, plural, M-E-L-T, M-U-S-H-R-O-O-M-S on Instagram. Shoot them a DM. Say, hey, No Simple Road sent me. Send me your menu. And they're going to be like, dope. And they're going to send you your menu. And then when you order from them, you're going to get... You're going to get... Buy one. Get one half off. That's right. <laughs> Buy one, get one half off. That's Buy right. one, get one half off. We're going to say it again. Buy one, get one half off. That's right. At Melt Mushrooms on Instagram. All the best mushrooms, four grams of their proprietary sacred mushroom blend in every bar, plus a bunch of adaptogenics and mushroom, other mushrooms and stuff. And then they also have their capsules. If you like the capsules, the 160 milligram for microdosing and the 350 milligram for macrodosing. And for those of you that really want to get busy, they have 10 packs of their bars and all other kinds of stuff. So go check them out and tell them that No Simple Road sent you. Get your buy one, get one half off and take care of your head. Peanut butter is my favorite. I like pistachio. Our sponsor, Fire on the Mountain, is cooking the best damn food in the Portland area and the Denver area. Three locations here in Portland, two in Denver. And let me tell you something. And one coming in Bend. We just, we just went and had dinner there the other night. and Simon couldn't stop talking about it. Right? They, they had um, deep fried apple rings that we had for dessert. <gasps> oh, my God. And oh, it was the fucking <laughs> so ridiculously good man and i just went like with regular medium buffalo wings and fries and it is some of the best damn food man i'll tell you what when you see a line out the door yeah you know that a place is good it's hopping so check this out man they have new specials every month this month they have like an el Clasico cheeseburger They've got fried Gouda wedges, smoked Gouda, bread and fried to perfection with an Italian herb sauce. Tell me Whoa. that doesn't sound delicious. Yeah, it's a Gouda. It's a Gouda. And hey, it's the Grateful Dead family making food directly from their heart, soul, and mind to be delivered to your tummy tum tum. And it's delicious. So go check out Fire on the Mountain. If you're Always the, save room for dessert. For real, because deep fried Oreos and Twinkies mm-hmm. are the thing. But hey, if you're not in one of those places, you can go to portlandwings.com. You can order some of their sauces, some of their dope swag. You can have it delivered right to your door. You can make some chicken wings at home, put their sauce on it. You'll know exactly what I'm talking about. It is the best. And hey, you vegans and vegetarians, they got plenty of options for you. They even have vegan wings with a sugar cane bone. Vegan they, ranch is amazing. They have thought of everything over there. And, you know, the atmosphere is pretty cool, man. Uh, any restaurant that has uh, artwork of Jerry Garcia on the wall. And they always got Bob great Marley. music playing. I'm in. So go check out Fire on the Mountain if you're in Denver or Portland. If not, go to portlandwings.com. Follow them at FOTM PDX, FOTM Denver, and FOTM Bend. So wow. get up, get up. Get out of that door and go go eat some food. <laughs> go eat some Yo, <laughs> fire on the mountain. It's delicious. Shop Tour Bus has been a sponsor of No Simple Road since the very um, early days. You could say yeah. BC before COVID. They were even our sponsor. <laughs> yeah. oh, shit. The like, reason they have been our sponsor for so long is because they make the dopest Grateful Dead inspired merchandise on the digital lot. Go over and check out Shop Tour Bus's amazing array of designs that are just waiting in, in digital ones and zeros on the internet when you transcribe that into pictures in your in your eyes then 
your mind's gonna explode. And they and they got that new that new one is dope. With the rat with the wings out of the coffee cup. Hi. Get up and fly away. No, I was looking at the alligator one, the pig pen. Oh yes. Oh yeah, and. A lot of them, well, some of them, are going to come with a Grateful Dead bootleg. What? You're going to get a miracle in your order, man. It's a real thing. There's going to be a bunch of extras in your in your order, too, like candies and little trinkets and toys a and pencil. pencils. If you get a bootleg, they'll throw a pencil in there so you can spool the tape in case it gets Sticker, eaten. maybe. I got a little Hot Wheel one time. Right? So it's not just a shirt. It's a package of fun. It's a package of love. The holidays are coming. This makes the perfect gift for the deadhead in your life. And hey, check this out. They are giving the No Simple Road family free shipping. When you put in the promo code No Simple Road, when you check out all one word, they're going to give you free shipping. So go to shoptourbus.com or at shoptourbus on Instagram and tell them No Simple Road sent you by putting in that promo code. No Simple Road is stoked to have Sunset Lake CBD back with us as our sponsor. Sunset Lake is the real deal. If you've looked around trying to find CBD and it just didn't do what it was supposed to do, this is the place you need to go. They've got every kind of product you can imagine, including CBD tinctures with sleep gummies that are great for getting to bed, CBD gummy bears and reishi infused chews that can help bring you a little bit of calm in a stressful day. They've got salve, they've got smokable hemp flower that's great for folks like me that don't want to get stoned and paranoid, but want to have the benefits of cannabis. Well, now you got it. And they even carry CBD products for your pets, man. I'm saying this is Darwin approved stuff. Go over to sunsetlakecbd.com and check out the full range of what they have. This is Vermont grown right to your door and they're giving you 20% off. So put in the promo code NSR20 when you're checking out. You're going to get 20% off your whole order. And I know you're going to love it. They even have subscription options open for you. So you don't forget to get your medicine. Go check out Sunset Lake CBD, everybody. No simple road. Yeah, here we go. See, it's just that easy. A little conversation, little little, little discussion, little communication makes us well, the understand. World, the whole world needs more communication. Right? What Man. the world it, needs sing it, Mel. now? Sing it. Is love, sweet love. <laughs> it's the only thing that there's just too little of. Hey now, No Simple yeah. Road family. Welcome back to a musical edition of No Simple Road featuring Mel. That's right. I'm Aaron. And this is Apple. How's everybody doing this week? And we got Dar. I'm doing good. It's still my birthday month, and I'm gonna fly on that till the 31st. That's why there's 31 days um, in October. It is Mel's birthday month, and Woo! in honor of Be- Bell's birthday month, <laughs> I, I would like to have all Happy of you. Happy birthday, Bell! Wherever you're at, I would like you to stop whatever you're doing and say happy birthday mel and then she'll feel it i do feel it do you feel it right now in my belly in your solar plexus yeah in my toes too okay that's a weird thing but also aside from my birthday month it's really cool because we have somebody special for you today on no simple road his name is lucas Sachs. 
He is the director of booking for the Brooklyn Bowls. And yeah, in the spirit of Brooklyn Bowl, Philadelphia. Phil- no. Um, yes. Um, uh, Brooklyn. Yeah. Philadelphia. Yeah. And Florida and yep. Nashville, Nashville. Yep. That's um, right. Yeah. So, um, yeah, but I was saying in the spirit of being like talking about the scene, having in- interesting people coming in from these incredible venues. I mean, if you've ever been to the Brooklyn Bowl, I'm sure. We've well, had an amazing time. Being from Vegas, the Brooklyn Bowl was like our home spot for going to shows. It was the best venue to open up in yeah. Vegas. By far. And you could tell that people that loved music created that venue. There yes. was intention behind the way that it was laid out. The sound was amazing. Just the pancake and... and uh, chicken and waffles well, and, yeah. oh my god just the people food. that love music and food and they have, they have like a balcony where you can go out and hang out and the music plays everywhere you yeah. go yeah but like mel said this is a, a look behind the scenes of the music business and one of today's most iconic chain of venues in in the world period and uh, lucas was kind enough to come on and spend some time with us and tell us about what he does, how he got started doing it, and and, and in why detail, he loves it. In detail. Yeah, and it was an education for yeah, sure. I felt very educated, and I understood a lot of, of, I guess, more puzzle pieces because, you know, you start out as a fan, and then you kind of, we've moved into different areas, and it was just really cool to hear the another side of that area of the scene yeah. buying tickets going to the concert being an act um booking acts getting paid knowing how to who to book what when to book like all those things like this date is open because people don't want to come th- that during that time and this date is you know yeah you well can't- and also knowing what bands to book even yeah. and, and keeping your pulse on the scene itself and who's upcoming and what bands are worth booking and who to give a shot to. And he's, it's his life yes, to, to know all this stuff. And, and he loves it. That, that's what I was going to say in order to do the job that he does and to be good at it, you have to be somebody that. And well, and he was, well, well you'll, sleeps and you'll hear that business. too. He was willing, he, like, I mean, he, he busted his butt to get to where he was at. Oh yeah. You know, you, you got to do an internship no. and things to get your way to that. And working for somebody like, Peter Shapiro, Peter Shapiro is an impresario. Like there, you know, that's those kind of people in, in business come along once in a while in, in industries and and to have that person be your mentor and show you the ropes and, and bring you in. That's a really like, it's a huge deal. And, and a lot of pressure, I would imagine like, Oh yeah, yeah that's you're, working, you're working on like the most solid foundation in the jam band scene. Yeah, like, and and you want to get it right. Yeah, you got that security, but also you want to like yeah, you got to get it right. So we're gonna we're gonna get you all to this interview with I, Lucas, yeah. but I wanted to um, talk about a couple of things before we do that. Before we do the business, uh, first of all, Apple had mentioned Darwin's here with us, and uh, if for those of you that are, have never listened to No Simple Row before, Darwin is our 125 pound Bernese Mountain Dog German Shepherd mix 
and he is Darwin and I are the same weight. He, he is a. <laughs> we're not sure. We we think he might be ten ish. He might have been two or three when we got him. We've had him for seven years, and uh, he he hurt his leg a last year before or two years ago before we went to peach and uh it's been bad ever since yeah, it's been a roller coaster up mm-hmm. and down of what how he's doing and our buddy came over this week with his puppy and darwin <laughs> just wanted to be a puppy too and played with the puppy and then when the puppy left darwin barely could stand up and but uh, also simon came over and was playing with darwin with his new toy oh and he did a bambi and on the wood he, floor hurt himself oh he did one of the sprawl Mm -hmm. things where his legs he was already like excited got hurt he was already tender yeah then another day of excitement so not to bore all of you with dog people love dog stuff here's the thing like he was a rescue and we we in order to take him to the vet you have to knock him out because he'll he'll kill whoever is at the vet well the last time we took him we pulled out of the parking lot we left him there to get his nails done we were pulling out and they called us before we left the parking lot and they were like come get your dog he's got us backed into a corner and he's 130 pounds and terrifying so anyway can't take him to the vet he hurt his leg the other day when the puppy was here he had a hard time standing up he's doing better he's up hobbling around and doing his thing he's eating all that stuff but all of you that listen to No Simple Road, I would ask that you would just take 10, 15 seconds, if you think about it, during the day and just send a little beam of love and healing energy Darwin's way because I really do believe that thought creates reality. It's worked before. With it him. has worked before. Yeah, and and Darwin is a full believer in the woo. and Yes, he is. He really is. And when ooh, he just tooted too, see, <laughs> told you he, he's speaking up over here. I was like, Ooh, what was he that? Jen Hartswick sent him distance Reiki when and he got he hurt last it. time. And she said that he, he came back, came back and asked her mom for more later on. So we're asking all of you to take a moment and just send Darwin some healing energy so that he feels better because he's as much a part of no simple road as we are. And, uh, I was thinking about this the other day. He's like Bob Weir with the Grateful Dead. He's never missed a show. And that's how Darwin is with No Simple Road. He's been in every interview. You guys well, just didn't know it. Yeah. So well, he's been in for, the house. He's been in the house. Yeah. One or two <laughs> we've had to lock him away. But anyway, that's that's what's going on with Darwin. Send him some love. And uh, we're going to do the business. Does that sound good? Yeah. The business? You ready? The business. Follow yeah. us on Instagram if you don't already. At No Simple Road. We're also on that other thing that they're they have i forget Twitter. what it's called no not it's x now no no, no. Yeah, you're wrong. right it's x threads we're also on threads is that what it's called no that's what threads is called now um <laughs> go, okay. go to www.nosimpleroad.com that is the center of the no simple road universe you can sign up for the newsletter there you can uh get no simple road merch we got hoodies it's hoodie time um, I'm putting up lot tea designs. I got a really cool thug life, Jerry Garcia tea up there. You should go check it out and get yourself one. Also got those in hoodies. Um, like I said, you can get a tarot reading from Mel and I. That's right. Grateful Dead tarot deck. Uh, Mel and I have hung out our shingle. We are not <laughs> licensed therapists or counselors by any stretch of the imagination, but we are 26 years strong in marriage. And um, we have decided that if anyone in the No Simple Road family 
wants couples therapy. You don't have to be a man and a woman. It could be whatever. We're here to help. Um, if you are a couple and you want some advice and counseling and place to hang out and talk to somebody that's been around the block as far as that's concerned, we're here to help. So if you feel like that is something you would like to do, hit us up at info at nosimpleroad.com. Send us a little info about yourself and we'll get the conversation started yeah. and figure out a time to talk to you. Yeah. No, I am totally excited about this. I wouldn't call it counseling or therapy. I don't want to step on. Counsel therapy? <laughs> yeah. Therapy? I, I, I feel like it's, you know, advice and like, you know, guidance. wisdom and guidance. Exactly. It's sometimes it really doesn't have to be about breakdown or anything like that, but like, you know, you want to stay in whatever relationship you're in. And sometimes things get tough. Life gets rough. We lose people that we love. We lose jobs. We lose our identities. We lose control over our willpower. And we, we lose just, motivation. Yeah. And so um, Aaron and I are really, we've been, we've been there for each other for 26 years and counting, you know, mm -hmm. and by that, we have experience. And so that's what we're offering more of, of that. We're not offering counseling or therapy. We're not counselors. We're not therapists, but we're people who love the no simple road family and care about other people. And we care to, for you to have a good life too and, and get through hard shit. So, and I'd say it's a good fit too, because like you're, you're out there listening. We're all like-minded. <laughs> if you're listening yeah. to us, we're into the same things. We have the same issues that can be different yeah. than yeah, other worldly issues. For sure. We're grandparents, parents, and yeah. Brothers, sisters, so, fathers, mothers, you know, if all you, kinds if of stuff. If you just needed some somebody to talk to, if you and your partner want to sit down and just have, have it out and have a Mediator. impartial jury yeah. here, um, here we are. So that's us. You can in, hit us at info at no simple road.com. And that's the way you would do that. Also our calendar of events is up at no simple road.com tells you where we're going to be. If you want to come hang out with us at a show or, you know, come dance boogie, shake your groove thing. That's how you figure out where we're going to be. And you can go to patreon.com forward slash no simple road, sign up as a patron. You get all the juicy content that is up on Patreon at no simple road. Juicy. Yeah. There's a whole other <laughs> podcast that you're not listening to because you're not a patron. There's all kinds of other content. You can um, interact with the No Simple Road family over there. That's patreon.com forward slash No Simple Road. And look, here's the deal. Things cost money. We need it. You have it. You listen to the show. That's how you tell us that you dig what we're doing, right? Yeah. yeah. That's one of the ways that you can directly show that you appreciate what what we're doing right. one of the ways yeah you're not just on the bus you're like like if you're on the bus you're pitching in you're paying yeah. you're, paying you're, you're on the bus you're, yeah, you're, you're like money we stop at, yeah i was gonna say you stop at the gas station and then you're like no i got this one you know you buy everybody around a coffee aaron's you're been like, driving 16 hours straight needs a coffee yeah exactly <laughs> no shit um hey here's the other thing you can do go to apple podcasts or on spotify and leave us a review we get, really need those reviews. And guess what? We we got a review. Yes. Uh, answered to the call. Uh, answered to the call. Yes. Yeah. You'll understand. This is uh, from Corn Muffin 778. Heck Thank you, Corn yeah. Muffin 778. Testing, testing. Five stars. Hey, all. After hearing Mel's plea on Friday's episode, Aww. I decided to give this review thing a shot. I gave this podcast five stars when I discovered it back in summer 2022. 
And now in October 2023, I can honestly say that No Simple Road deserves eight stars. Oh. Or at least five golden stars. But alas, another five-star review will have to suffice. Aaron, Apple, and Mel are the real deal and some of my favorite people. I've had the pleasure to meet and call my friends over the past year. If you're listening and on the fence about the Patreon thing, don't be. It's only a buck a month for the cheapest option. And there's plenty of exclusive content on there that'll keep you entertained. You can even listen to yours truly ramble for an hour if you're a masochist. (laughs) Happy birthday, Mel. I hope you had an amazing day filled with love and light. Also, Aaron, we're putting you in a hazmat suit at the next show since you obviously need to avoid getting sick again. Love you all always. Aww. That's really rad. Yeah, we know. know. Connor. Aww. Right on, Connor. Right on, Connor. Love you, buddy. I know. I do need to be in a hazmat suit. You are so right, Connor, about all of that stuff. (laughs) A thousand percent. And and you know what, Connor? It's, It's less me needing to be in a hazmat suit and more me needing to sleep and rest that's that's what it boils down yeah he proper needs care. To, he's, it's his forget. moderation and he has to work at it yeah, yeah. Dude, sometimes, gonna... sometimes we be forgetting as yeah. humans like well, i'm gonna do that's everything. your reminder you can't do shit for four days because yeah, i can I do what i want oh yeah or i got a better go idea so aaron can be comfortable everybody else needs to be in a hazmat yeah suit. <laughs> thank you apple i like that wow. all right so if you want to sign up for your hazmat suit you can go to no i'm just kidding <laughs> Uh, please tell somebody that you love about the show. That is the most important thing that you could do. It doesn't cost you anything but a little breath out of your lungs and a little vibration in your voice box. And then they know about No Simple Road and you told them and then more people join the family and then it's just cooler that way. You know? Yeah. Maybe you go to Berkeley College of Music and you're listening to this right now and you're in the music program, you want in music business and you're like, oh man. This is really cool. This episode, he's kind of talking about my industry. And this is a little back, you know, like. Behind uh, the scenes. Yeah, behind the scenes. I'm going to tell everybody in my music business class to listen to this episode with Lucas Sachs. Yeah. Because it's really educational, great, and super fun. Yep. And and then then you can go on your day. And then I'm going to tell you what's going to happen when you sleep that night. There's going to be a little pixie. He has dreadlocks. Don't be scared. He's going to come into your room. He's going to go into your pillow and he's going to leave you a present. You won't be able to see it though, Cute but it'll be there. In, in, see, I like invisible that. Yeah. Heart. He has patchwork pants and shit. It smells like patchouli a little bit. He's going to borrow your weed too. Anyway. He's going to borrow all your things. Oh, that's not true. <laughs> How do you know? Have you ever seen the thing that you can't Neither see? Neither have you. Okay. Well. They told me. Anyway, making assumptions. <laughs> anyway, we're gonna get you to all to the interview with Lucas X. Lucas, thank you again for yeah, spending Lucas. time with yeah. No Simple Road. We really appreciate you, man. And, and it like, was fun. And like Mel said too at the beginning, like for being so open about everything. Like absolutely, that, it was awesome to hear what you're doing. And I was gonna ask him one question that I forgot, but I mean, it's kind of a dumb. It's like, it's like God. If I was in charge of that, it'd be hard not to just want to book everything I like. Like you got to take, <laughs> yeah, in, that would be tough. Like you have to take into consider, like like some bands, you'd be like, well, I don't really like them, I'm gonna, you know. But yeah. you got that. Yeah, you got to think about the masses and what's good for the venue. And so. hey, if you're lucky enough to live in a city where the Brooklyn Bowl resides, yeah. head over to their website and check out the lineup of shows that they have coming up. And I'm going to say one last thing before we do this: buy your tickets in advance. Yes. Do not wait yes. until the day of show. 
there's a reason for that's that. A, that's a it thing that you matters. can do to help the artist. If you say you love this artist that you're buying tickets to, <laughs> a way to say I love you more is to pre-buy your ticket yep. because that helps them. That helps the venue. That helps the artist. And it helps you be a little bit happier that you're helping out your favorite artist. And we're going to help you right now by getting you to the interview and yeah. shutting up and letting you hear this thing. So you ready? Yep. Without further ado, the No Simple Road crew gives you Lucas Sachs. Welcome, everybody. Hey. How's it going? Great. What's up, Becca? Hi, I'll just be here if anyone needs anything. Okay, right on, Becca. <laughs> oh, oh, right on. Becca, if you could help us get booked at the Brooklyn Bowl, that'd be cool. She might know a guy. Lucas, what's going on, man? I'm Aaron. Nice to meet you guys. Hey, nice Aaron. to meet you too. Um, I'm Mel, Lucas, and then we have Apple. And then I'm here. Apple, yes. What's up, Mel and Apple? Is this going to be okay on my phone? My speakers on my laptop are busted. You yeah. actually sound, you sound great. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Okay, great. I'm on my headphones. Um, in 30 minutes, my girlfriend's probably going to walk in to come get the dogs to go feed them. So they'll probably bark like crazy. But other than that, we should be good. It's yeah. all it's, it's all, all good, man. None of this is live. I can pull out whatever we want to pull out. I, most of the time we leave it. We like it. It's, it's live. Like, you know, <laughs> I mean, that's, that's why we're here. Right. Yeah. Right. Yeah. It yeah. is all about that. Lucas for um, the folks that are listening to the show. Why don't you introduce yourself and tell them what you do? Excellent. Yeah. My name is Lucas Sachs. I'm the director of booking for Brooklyn Bowl Williamsburg and Brooklyn Bowl Philadelphia. Wow. That's a, that's a hell of a title, man. How, how did you get started doing that? I always played in bands, you know, I'm from the Jersey shore, not far from, you know, where Bruce got his start and played in bands, loved working in music, really wanted to be as close as possible to the live show. So, um, I applied to a bunch of different colleges for music business programs, not performance based stuff like Berkeley, but some of the more business focused. I went to Syracuse. It was in a new program then called the Bandier program, which is still in existence. Um, and then I interned a lot along the way. I had, I think, seven internships during the summertime throughout, you know, the three years uh, of summers between college. So my probably the most pivotal, pivotal and integral internship I had was working for Morgan Young from Valor Music, who managed Soul Live and Lettuce, oh, wow, Khaki yeah. King, Grammatic, Break Science. Uh, and that was a big one at the time. And that's what, you know, I found out about Soul Live as a young kid in college, freshman year of college, first month of school, they played the Westcott Theater, which was, you know, the 700 cap 1930s movie theater was with, uh, you know, sloped flooring um, that was turned into a concert venue. And that was sort of like my Brooklyn Bowl of college. So a lot of the bands that I ended up working with, I saw for the first time as a college student at the Westcott. So that got me into, you know, bands like Umphreys and Grace Potter and Galactic and Soulive and Lettuce and and so many different bands that I now have the privilege of working with. Um, So I interned with Morgan, stayed in touch with with him and then um, was graduating. Brooklyn Bowl was, uh, you know, not it's a place that I had been to for Bowl Live that uh, Mm -hmm. our owner, Peter Shapiro, created with the Soulive many moons ago. 
when it was a 10 night run with different guests and everything over a couple of weeks, I went to one stayed on my buddy's kitchen floor in a sleeping <laughs> yeah. bag. As so we I are want to do from out. time to time. Yeah. <laughs> you know, if you're going to go, just got to do it right. You know what I mean? You just got to go all yeah, in. So totally we went yeah. most of the night. So, so that was really a, a fun time, but you know, that's what kind of got it all started. So Morgan said, you know, Brooklyn Bowl's looking for an intern in the booking department. They, it might become a job, might not become a job. They'd always had one guy booking the room. Um, graduated college, did that interview for the internship, got it, Whoa. was doing that two days a week. And then at the end of the summer, Shappy hired me. So, and uh, that was dude, 11 years ago. That's what? wild. Congratulations, first of all, man. That's that's super cool. What? Thank you. I, I would imagine when the interview's over and you've, you know, they're like, okay, we're going to call you in three days or whatever they say. And you get the call. Are you like, Equal parts terrified and excited. Yeah, yeah. yeah. <laughs> I, mean, I, I, I was, you know, I was ready to go though. You know, I, I studied music business for four years, and I was like, I, I've studied one specific small part of the industry of entertainment, and I only wanted to be in the live side of it too. So I just said, you know, I, I need to be a talent buyer. This is what I want to do. I want to live in a room. And be able to to work and grow with bands over time, but really plant roots in a venue. And uh, you know, it was a dream internship that turned into a dream job, and then a dream promotion, and so on and so forth. And that's why I've been there for so long. So cool! Wow, that's so cool. And you know, we um we moved from Vegas uh, seven years ago. Mm -hmm. yeah. yeah, 2016. Yeah, and we were there for the opening of the Brooklyn Bowl. That was like our home spot to go see stuff that's where we always went the best and yeah and it was it was really cool to see the evolution of the club itself but the attention to detail and the sound in the room the way it was laid out like everything was thought of do you are you finding that consistent across all of the the venues like that's a thing that's paid attention yeah. to in each place Absolutely, it's paid attention to um, both Peter Shapiro and his business partner, Charlie Ryan, um, have done an amazing job of taking their vision. You know, they owned the wetlands right. uh, back in the day in Tribeca. And it was, you know, that was a pivotal, pivotal club for so many artists in the 90s and early 2000s. And, you know, after 9-11, when it closed, it really, you know, there was sort of a need for, for the scene. And they built the bowl from basically a blank layout of just brick walls mm -hmm. with a dirt floor and not much ceiling left on that old 1880s warehouse. <laughs> so, you know, they thought about how are you going to lay out a room so people cannot just go for the show and see the stage the whole time, but they can go and hang out and develop a sense of community and really be there and spend a lot of time and meet people and make friends. And you can have your friends you go to shows with, instead of just, you know, the standard concert experience, if you will. So, you know, the layout of being able to walk in and you can sit down in the front or go to the restaurant, you know, you can, you can be hearing and seeing the show without having to be right in front of the stage, or you can just go right in front of the stage and, you know, not do that. So it's kind of like a choose your own adventure mm -hmm. is how we always talk about it. And I think that that, you know, the way we opened the room in 2009 with their design is, um, you know, the way it was laid out really lends itself to being all things for all people. 
And, you know, like in the winter, we're busier than in the summer because people, we want people to show up earlier. They'll come in early for dinner. They'll stay for the early show. They'll stay through the late show. One of the little hacks of Brooklyn Bowl is that if you buy a ticket in New York, at least if you buy a ticket for the early show, you can stay until the end of the late show. You're not asked to leave in between shows. So you might buy a $25 ticket and get two for the price of one. Wow. So Shit. that's Everybody something that a, a lot of regulars have learned. Yeah. Well, that's so cool. It feels like an updated cheers, you know, like you go <laughs> exactly. to, when you go to a bar, you just have the bar and some, some have stages and that's cool. But a venue is way different than a bar. There's so much more to it and, and adding all of those elements, like you said, as far as like the visual effects, the fact that you can hear everywhere staying that creates a, a vibe. It creates a community, mm-hmm. creates a community. Vibe is, uh, is actually one of our keywords. Yes. <laughs> it's basically in the, in the Broken Bull manual is the word vibe. Okay. Hell yeah. I mean, it, and that's, I think that's what we experienced too. Oh, oh, definitely. And then one, and then above all that too, one of the most impressive things, as you know, is because of the reputation of Brooklyn Bowl, especially after several years, is the ability to draw in big acts that you wouldn't normally get to see in a six to 800 person venue. That was one of our favorite things in Vegas. We, you know, going to see Phil Lesh and friends or something. It was string like, cheese incident. String cheese. It was always like a bigger venue in Vegas. And then you get to go to Brooklyn Bowl and be up close and personal. That's the idea. You know, as much as we love being able to book those types of shows for fans, the bands themselves are just as much of a factor into how those get booked and why they do them. You know, they love being able to give back to the audience and, and create this intimate experience. What, what was it for you, Lucas, that like made you fall in love with the live music experience? I think like, I want to call it a feedback cycle of when you're on stage and you're playing well and you're having fun with your band, but you're also watching and seeing and hearing fans, you know, seeing their smiles, watching them jump up and down, just people are having a good time. You know, that, kind of eggs you on more as a musician. It's the same thing on the fan side too. When you watch a show that you're really enjoying, you know, the band's energy builds with your energy and, and it kind of just keeps going and going. And that's something that, uh, you know, you can't replicate that in other types of the business. I, you know, it's yeah. publishing music supervision. It's, it's great. I love, you know, hearing an amazing song placement in a show or a movie. It's phenomenal, but there's something totally different about being able to interact with a band on stage. So I wanted to ask, um, Lucas, what exactly, like on a typical day or even a typical week, what is the director of booking responsible for? What do you actually really do? Yeah, that's a great question. It's, you know, director booking, talent buyer, promoter, they're all sort of interchangeable terms. Um, You know, I think a lot of people have thoughts about what it means, but you know, the, a lot of it's answering emails and phone calls, mm-hmm. you know, I'm talking to a lot of booking agents. So the majority of my communication that's external is to booking agents for acts that are large enough to play the rooms, you know, Philadelphia and New York are both 900 capacity venues. So typically we're going after acts that have representation, um, as in an agent, a manager, publicist, label, okay. all the above. We interact most with the agents. Um, sometimes we call them and pitch them on ideas. 
Other times they call us and say, hey, we're ready to route a tour. And, you know, you're one of 15 options in this one city. Can you just send us your best and see if we, you know, if it's going to happen? And then they let management decide if we're in the mix for any particular reason over another venue. So there's a lot of that back and forth. Um, you know, we have a three-person team across the two cities. So I'm interfacing a lot with my other team members. Uh, we also have to work really closely with our events department who help book out the lanes and private events as well because mm. we share the same calendar, um, as well as the production team and the kitchen. Um, you know, basically every department has to constantly communicate to make sure that we can execute a concert. Um, sometimes the concerts are concurrent to, you know, Google on 10 lanes, um, you know, for three hours or they come in early during the band sound check. So we have a lot of moving parts, um, you know, and I'm doing that across two different cities. So when do you sleep? I don't. <laughs> That's, it's a trick question. Uh, Twelve years ago, right? Yeah, no shit. <laughs> On your friend's floor. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. I mean, I'm also at a lot of the shows as well. You know, yeah. part of what we do is show coverage. So having uh, out of the three person team, two of us are in New York and one is in Philadelphia. So we're able to to be at the shows you know, when needed for different reasons, either it's entertaining an agent or a manager, or it's helping settle the show, or it's presenting a gift to the band for selling out the room, or it's, you know, getting to talk with them during sound check and just kind of develop a rapport over the years if they're, if they played multiple times. So there's a lot of different things that we do. A lot of hats. It sounds wow. like the coolest job in the world. Really? Like really sounds fun. I, it, you, you're talking about a lot of moving parts and I'm, interested we just appeared at ophelia's a couple of weeks ago and it was our first time like getting booked at a venue and so i do everything for the show and so i'm learning like the back end stuff like the offers and all that how do you know what to offer that's a good question too I mean, there, there's almost no right answer a hundred percent of the time, right. you know, a lot of it is based on market history, market value. So if a band has sold X number of tickets at X dollar amount, you can kind of make a guesstimate of what did they actually take home from that ticket gross. Mm -hmm. Um, you know, if knowing that certain venues are door deals, certain venues are guarantees, you know, right. what's a reasonable percentage that they might get of those ticket sales. A lot of the times, if we have no barometer, you got to ask the agent, just say, what are you looking for? And you know, that it's a game of, it's like a car salesman totally. on both sides of the, of yes. the thing, you know, and I mean that in a nice way, most of the time, right. but <laughs> you know, it's like, they're going to overshoot. Yeah. They know we have the wallet. Right. They're, the commodity with the leverage. So we, they want us to give the most money. We want to spend the least amount of money, Absolutely, you know? So that's just, it's just a little back and forth game. And it's sometimes it's a game of who gives in first, who doesn't want to keep dealing with the same back and forth conversation for one show. Whoa. Um, so, you know, it depends. Other times it's like, Hey, no BS. This is what we need. You know? And if you work with someone long enough, you know that they're telling you the right number. And you just say, cool, let's do it, done. And you move on to the next show. I would imagine we're a volume that's business. The that's, yeah. that's, that's the ones that make you feel the best. I was just gonna, that, that sounds like it would be fun most of the time, too, except for <laughs> some <laughs> of the <laughs> <most> of <them. laughs> 
heard those one in a while, once in a while, but they had they're like haggling and stuff. That's always fun, is it? <laughs> yeah, like we do it on we do it on lot. Like when you go on, like when we were we just went and saw fish up in Denver, and you guys got a mic because I didn't haggle with the oh, guy yeah. over the scarf. Oh, yeah, I, got, right, yeah, yeah. I just wanted it so bad. I gave him forty bucks. They're like, dude. What are you doing? Like, and then that I realized. It's like a $25 scarf. What are you and doing? Then I realized, yeah, but they're working hard on the lot. And, you know. That's the thing. There's no one number something is worth. Right. Yeah. It's all right. subjective, right? Yeah. So, like, okay, um, how about like repeating bands? Like bands that maybe not the same day. Maybe they're playing one day, but like, you know, multiple times a year. Like, how does a band get cloud enough? Is it strictly the numbers or are there other factors as far as like booking bands multiple times? For why we would do it? Yeah, exactly. I think a lot of it depends on the audience as well as the band. Mm, so, you know, okay. a band like the Hold Steady is a really good example. You know, they were a little bit outside the the core bread and butter of what a Brooklyn Bowl, you know, weekend residency artist was. Uh, but we found out that they had a really devoted fan base and a lot of them live locally. And, you know, we called them and just said, hey, you know, we haven't really worked together. We know you played locally before you did a two night new year's run down the street one year. Would you consider playing with us for four nights or six nights? And we just lobbed a big one at them. And, you know, those are the kind of conversation starters that like, even if they're not that interested, you're, you're getting their attention. Right. So, you know, very quickly we got on the phone with them and put together a four night run the week after Thanksgiving. And, you know, now we're, we're at year eight. Uh, for New York and it's four nights after Thanksgiving every year and even during COVID we did it live stream only with no audience twice wow wow Wow. so that was something I wanted to ask you about too because not COVID but like there's a the Brooklyn Bowl has a certain flavor to it Mm. yeah and like you just said it's outside of your normal bread and butter how do you personally stay abreast of what's going on in all of the, because there's so many different music scenes happening and they're all their own little weird universes, you know? Yeah. So how are you staying abreast of who's up and coming, who the big names are, you know, all of it. We've got undercovers everywhere. You know, (laughs) you got to have your people. Yeah. If we we're constantly talking to people who are experts in their own little microcosm of the live music scene right you know so we work with the world music institute and we bring in a lot of artists from mali and niger and nigeria and you know other countries in africa as well as korean artists and australian artists and you know we have we have experts in different fields that we consult for things so those end up being outside promoters that come in and they say hey we have access to this this artist who is famous in the scene we have access to that audience. Let's do this show together. So we do that a lot hmm. uh, with certain partners. So, you know, we work with a lot of different partners and in, in different scenes like that. But, you know, we have, we talk to managers, we talk to agents, we talk to labels, we talk to other promoters. We're on regular weekly calls with promoters regionally, mm. um, you know, for the same size rooms as well as some bigger ones. Um, we talk to each other you know, across mm. all the Brooklyn Bulls, okay. you know, because we have access to different artists, you know, for Vegas that might not be on the radar because they're West Coast or they're Pacific Islander reggae artists who are huge in, in Vegas, but then we'll try them out. Like Common Kings is coming through 
uh, in the next couple of weeks to New York. Mm-hmm. We've done them a couple of times. Uh, they crush in Vegas for us. So we, you know, we always kind of have to have the ear to the ground. We read a lot of blogs. We're listening to a lot of up-to-date playlists. We also mm-hmm. check out a lot of podcasts like yours to kind of see who's who's in the know and what's going on. We look at festival lineups across the country and the world. Okay. We like to keep track of new artist signings. So it's basically dude. every every possible option. So basically, but the answer again is by never sleeping. Yeah, I was just going to say, and when do you sleep? Well, yeah. this is like the epitome yeah. of due diligence of what you're yeah. doing. Like this is like going, all those things that you named, and I'm sure there's more. Those are just the top off of your head. Like your life and lifestyle is the live music industry, correct? Oh, yeah. yeah. It's, it's not just a job. It's definitely a lifestyle career. And, you know, all of my friends who do the same job type or who work in live music uh, feel the same way. You know, it's everybody kind of is doing the same thing. So, you know, when I'm not at my own shows, I'm out at other shows at other venues. Uh, When I travel to other cities or other countries, I try to hit shows as well. So I'm just constantly scoping different venues and trying to meet up with agents and managers anytime I go anywhere, whether it's business or for fun. That's crazy. Wow. And I, I'm, I'm curious now to you, uh, personal question for actually sure. two. I, I read that you were in a cover band. I'm wondering what, what can cover band? <laughs> well, it was in a, in high school, I was in like a blue, like a seventies rock cover band, okay. like, you know, okay. Old but, stuff, you okay. know, bar, bar gigs. Yeah. And then, uh, you know, my college band was original music, but we definitely did a really fun Halloween show one year doing uh only 80s and 90s tv and movie theme songs <laughs> oh heck yeah how fun so, yeah having we fun. all dressed up as different bill murray's as well from from uh, his career <laughs> yes <laughs> all right and the, the second way is like your musical influences like what you know what what's your who's your favorite to like go see what's your musical influences sure yeah favorite artists of all time would definitely be wilco my Morning oh, wow. Jacket, Radiohead, yes. Gorillas, The Band, Tribe Called Quest. Wow, that okay. was like, that was, you fired them off. That's yeah. quick. awesome. Because most of the time you ask people, they have to like, well. That's not a fair <laughs> question. <laughs> oh, yeah. yeah. Yeah, people say, I, I like everything. No, yeah, you don't. You know, I do like everything. I like most things, <laughs> yeah. but there's a lot of things I like more than others. Yeah, that. That's a good way top. to answer that. Yeah. Like, well, like when you say Radiohead, we saw Radiohead when we moved here in 2016. We were here for like a month and Radiohead came through. We were like, yes. Three of us awesome. have never seen them to this day. It's like a life changing religious That was like experience. going to my first dead show. Like, oh my. Yeah. Seeing that. Makes perfect sense. Yeah, it was. Makes perfect sense. Wild. Um, you, you mentioned it, <clears throat> excuse me, a minute ago about COVID. Um, how did you navigate that weird space that we were in for a year and a half, almost two years and were you worried about your job and like, how did you deal? Yeah, it was a wild time. I mean, you know, the first, I can tell you right now, we announced the first, you know, in that second week of March, we had announced our 24 band three day South by Southwest showcase that I also booked for Brooklyn Bowl. And then four hours later, we canceled it. But we, we kind of thought that was going to happen, but we really just wanted to say, hey, we, we did put all this work in and we do want to try to tell you what happened or what was going to happen. Right. So that was kind of a false start. And then I think it was a day or two later, 
we started moving shows and we, we moved shows three months or four months. And we, you know, that was kind of the general discussion that everybody was having it was like, all right, we got a four month window. We'll push things from March to the summer. We should be okay. Then it was six months. Then it was a year. <laughs> then it was two years, you know, and it just sort of, everyone just kept kicking the can because nobody wanted to try to take those risks. Yeah. Um, you know, and pretty quickly I went on furlough. Most of our staff went on furlough at most of the rooms um, Philadelphia didn't even exist yet. So that was mid construction that was sort of paused. Um, so that was a benefit in that the construction was happening, but we hadn't hired a full venue staff yet. You know, Nashville was, was, was definitely, you know, about to open two days before everything shut down oh and our whole staff, the whole company was, you know, ready to fly down. And, uh, you know, and then we got the call that it wasn't opening. Oh, no. So that was a rough one. But, uh, you know, during furlough, I just, you know, worked on sleeping and <laughs> all the things that I That's didn't have time to do otherwise. Yeah. <laughs> so, uh, yeah. I did some, uh, I did some charity gigs as well. So I was putting on some pod based outdoor shows in the South at a baseball field. So, you know, I tried to keep myself occupied. There were a lot of shows happening in the South, you know, cause the restrictions were a little looser. Right. A lot of the bands were able to play outside in these, in these much larger areas, a lot of drive throughs a lot of uh, shows at, you know, like race car tracks. So, you know, that was kind of what everybody was doing for a little while, while Neva and Nito were created as well to kind of lobby for government funding and support. We didn't, we live in Portland, Oregon. We didn't have anything until like summer of 21, like nothing. And our first show back was um, an outdoor pod show like that with the string dusters and, yeah, and green, green sky. sky and it was strange. I'll be honest. Yeah. Like coming back to live music was an odd thing. It felt like the bands didn't quite know how to respond to the crowd, not knowing how to respond to each other. It was a weird space. Yeah, nobody knew in. how to act and everybody's faces were covered. Yeah, it was yeah. odd. And it, I would imagine that the business has changed since then a little bit, right? Welcome to us talking about our podcast for a minute. What's the name of that podcast? That's Axe to Grind. Uh, and right now you're going to be getting a little little taste of it right down to the shaking microphone and all. <laughs> and my name's Bob. And my name's Patrick. And usually we're joined by Tom. Tom's the best. Tom has a real grown-up job that requires him to be at work. But we talk about decidedly not so grown up things like hardcore music and things that people that like hardcore music tend to like. So that could be the latest shows, uh, revisiting classic material, talking about the new classics, um, all the little dorm room nonsense that you imagine from a niche music podcast that, that you either love, want to love or hate. Yeah, imagine all the emotions that you have towards a genre that that uh, has impacted your life, uh, and then condense them down to an hour to two hours a week. So triangulate your speakers. Think about jumping off the bed, singing along, dancing like an idiot, and listen to Axe to Grind podcast. Yeah. I mean, your, your feeling that you're describing was made me think about when I was talking about the feedback loop of what got me into live music. You don't get that experience when oh. everyone's faces are covered, when everyone's really far away, 
you know, and it's, everybody wants to be safe. And the whole goal was to be able to tour safely, right. you know, otherwise, how would we get back to it? We had to ease back into it. That was the most important part. You know, everyone was out of money, everybody was out of work. You know, it was, it was a really tough time for, you know, anything creative like that for, for in person. So, you know, working on figuring out how to safely follow all of the protocols and guidelines was something that we did from the very first second of everybody coming back to work and everybody starting to reschedule these shows. You know, when we reopened right after Labor Day of 21, uh, we, you know, masks were, I believe that masks were optional. We were testing staff at every shift in every part of the building every single day for, I think, a year or something. And it was, you know, nobody was allowed in the green room. It was very, very tight, you know, because we didn't want to be responsible for taking any bands off the road. It was already hard enough for them to be on the road. And, you know, you lose one date, you might wipe out the whole tour, you know, and our business too, to be able to staff the room and be open on a consistent basis, you know, it's challenging if you're constantly knocking out shows. So it was definitely a very slow, cautious and controlled ease back in. Mm. And we always followed every guideline. And for the most part, people were really nice about it and really understood and were just happy to be there. Same with the bands, you know, until, until it got easier to, you know, to maneuver. Have you noticed that the, the way booking is done for a lot of the bands has changed? Because the reason I ask that is a lot of the artists that we talk to now say, we don't tour as much. We tour tour smarter now. Are you seeing that? Yeah, I think it's a huge thing. Instead of a band doing, you know, 275 dates a year in these huge four to five month stretches, you know, a lot of these bands that have been playing for a long time who maybe don't own a bus and they're renting a bus or they're, you know, whatever it might be, if they don't have a consistent full-time salaried crew, like a club size band, in most cases, obviously with my experience, um, are doing shorter runs because they're less at risk of having to, you know, lose money or cancel a whole leg of a tour. And it's a lot harder to reschedule when, you know, the way that everybody's doing it. So a lot of people fell, a lot of bands fell in line with that approach. Touring smarter isn't just touring, touring in shorter runs. It's also figuring out how to do it more, um, I guess frugally, Mm. you know, the cost of gas is up, hotels are up, tour bus drivers are up, tour buses were super scarce for a while, Mm -hmm. you know, renting backline equipment. There were a lot of costs that were up a lot. And the bands, you know, the bands saying we normally got paid this much, but now we need to get paid more in a market that might yield fewer ticket sales Mm. uh, post COVID or post peak COVID, you know, how do I justify giving a band more money than before if I think it'll not sell as well? And then without raising the ticket price, but we also want to be price sensitive for the consumer because they're also paying more for gas and babysitters and hotels and transportation and dinner and service fees and everything. So, you know, it's it's kind of a vicious cycle, but I think, you know, everybody's really done a great job of finding a good middle ground 
of adjusting to inflation on some ticket pricing while still making it viable and feasible for the bands to be profitable. I don't know if the margins are, you know, slimmer in most cases. I know they are in some cases, but it's not just for bands. It's also for us, yeah. you know, food costs are up, alcohol costs more, our, our salaries for, you know, and, and wages for, uh, you know, for everybody in the service industry had to go up because, you know, it was just a tough time to convince people to work and you wanted to find quality people. So yeah. you have to pay, you have to pay for it. And so, yeah, I think all those reasons make it a little more challenging, but that's why everyone I think is doing a really good job of, of doing it together instead of just you versus me. Wow. That's, that- that's really cool. Like you saying all of that really keeps it as a community. Um, talking about the concert goers, talking about the, the, you know, people that are traveling, the, the employees, everybody, like we're all feeling the brunt. So this is what we're all going to do together instead of like, well, sorry, you guys got to yeah. pay the ticket. Tickets are $200 and You're now. getting this amount, you know, banned regardless of what it is. Like that's a really uh, mature way because you guys have quite a few venues. And one of the questions I wanted to ask is how do you decide where a new venue, a new Brooklyn bowl is going to be? That's a great question. I mean, a lot of it really comes down to where our key relationships are, as well as, um, you know, the market, what the market can bear and what the market might be in need of. You know, Nashville um, did not have a 1250 cap or an 1150 cap club, GA club. You know, so we came in there and put that room in uh, behind the minor league baseball stadium. It has a second floor outdoor patio where you can overlook the outfield. It's really cool to kind of have wow. a beer and watch the game and then go back inside and go to the show. And, you know, that room was built and designed from the ground up wow. on just a lot. So, you know, it was how do we take the the need of the city and really build it out directly to speak to that. And it's that room is sold out most nights a week and booked significantly. Um, and it's, people really love it. It's a beautiful wow. space. Um, you know, I get a little bit jealous sometimes when I get to go down, I'm going down there in two weeks, but I get a little bit jealous because I have the original one, but the nice new shiny one is fun yeah. too. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, they have to break it in though. Right man. It's, it's, you don't want the new shiny one. You want, you want the that. It, it seems like doing the job that you do, it would almost be imperative that you have somebody that can mentor you right like to help you learn the ropes did you have that coming up did you have somebody's shoes that you like kind of walked in for a while yeah absolutely i mean i I talk to peter pretty much every day uh you know for the last decade and he is hyper involved in our business um and then Kirk Peterson is also our director of talent for everything Shapiro. Um, so he oversees the Capitol theater, all the Brooklyn bowls, he books lock in our festival in Virginia, and then any special projects that we're doing across the country, you know, like when Bobby and Phil did that duo tour, um, you know, we're doing Tedeschi trucks, at the garden and TD garden as well uh, in Boston and New York. So things like that. So, you know, he's got, he came into our company with 20 years of experience, wow. um, you know, from Colorado booking shows over there. So yeah, you know, regularly speaking to those guys on a daily basis is here's my gut reaction. How am I doing? What do you think? Or how, how should I approach the situation or things like that have been really crucial in, uh, in my career development. 
So in the last, um, you said 11 years, right? That you've been in this uh, position. Um, yeah. Lots of things happen in 11 years. You know, we went through COVID, we're post COVID, all that stuff. And in just in yeah. any career as well, what, uh, how do you stay fresh and, and wanting to do this? Because everything, even if it's exciting, can kind of get, you know, like feel written after a while, you know, like, okay, it's the same type of job that I'm doing. How do you keep yourself fresh and excited and, you know, going forward in your career? Yeah. I mean, South by Southwest was a big thing for us. You know, this, we've done them, uh, we did three of them and, uh, one, we had booked four because of 2020. Mm -hmm. So, you know, we're talking about next year already. Um, you know, so getting to work with bands that I might not otherwise work with that are international or different genres, you know, working with, um, brands like consequence of sound and Brooklyn vegan, you know, to be able to curate with these media partners, uh, is something different and interesting and getting to rent a venue, uh, in Austin and going and producing the shows over three days, you know, is really exciting and different. And we get a lot of brand value from getting to, you know, work really closely with these bands in a small setting and try to bring them to the, to our rooms in Brooklyn and Philadelphia and, and the other Brooklyn Bulls as well in the future. You know, I also do some freelance stuff on the side. So I like to book shows for, for charity gigs. So I usually do a few of those a year, um, you know, just to kind of lend my expertise to uh, nonprofits where they need talent to, you know, donate their services or perform for an honorarium for something. Um, you know, so that makes me feel really good that I can take a really niche skill set and kind of extend it out beyond the venues. And, you know, opening the Philadelphia room was it was a huge thing for me, really exciting, you know, being able to go between two cities, work on a, you know, have a larger team, being able to work really closely with Live Nation, um, you know, because of our relationship with them, uh, with the company as well. You know, so, you know, just being able to constantly look at new bands and discover new artists and try to go after new things as well. Yeah. You know, it's, it's always fresh and different combined with the excitement of, of having a band that's been playing for 12 years or, or more 14 years at the room in New York, um, you know, come back annually and being able to sit down with them for dinner and kind of go over what they've been doing for the last couple months or year, um, you know, and having a rapport like that directly with the artists as well. So it's sort of juggling the repeat, the repeat offenders and then bringing in the new people and being able to kind of play with that has, has kept it fun and interesting. Yeah, man. That I, I asked cause my, when I got home from work today, Aaron was on, on the phone with his boss and his boss was talking about promotion. And my, my husband was like, I'm happy with what I do currently. Yeah, like, I don't I, I'm fine with what I'm doing. And I understand that sometimes people are happy with what they're doing, but other times people are like, you know, gosh, I've been doing this for 10 years, 15 years, whatever. I want to move on, but I still maybe like the environment, but like what else is there? So do you have like an ultimate career goal or do you feel like you're in it right now and you don't need that? I definitely want to keep growing and building. I think, you know, for people in my specific job function, a lot of the goal is to just keep working with larger artists and larger rooms yeah. or festivals. Um, and I think, you know, we're, we're opening more Brooklyn Bowls in the next couple of years as well. So that's part of the discussion. And, you know, like I said, we have a festival, we have a theater, yeah. you know, more Brooklyn Bowls. There's a lot of growth potential, you know, just inside the company. And yeah. we do special projects that, you know, arenas and theaters all over the country sometimes too. 
Yeah. Well, just saying, there's there's a lot of room here in Portland, Oregon, yeah. or <laughs> just saying. <A> Brooklyn Bowl. <laughs> I hear you. I'm writing it down. Good, good. Lucas, how how does like um, you know, gearing up for a festival? Say say either that you're established one, or you're going to make a brand new festival. You're going to create a. How does that differ from, you know, all all those moving parts to you know booking a room. I think the radius clauses are, are much more significant and can be a much bigger hurdle. Obviously, you know, the financials for sure. Sure. You know, any, any kind of festival needs significant, uh, you know, cash flow from sponsors to pay for talent budget, you know, and you want to have good talent, but you know, festivals, we saw a glut of festivals, um, you know, in the last couple of years and a lot of new smaller ones mm-hmm. that, that have sort of started so to fade many. away a little bit as yeah. well. We've also seen numbers kind of all over the place from some of the bigger, well-known festivals that have been going on for a while, you know, and I think the the market got a little saturated when, you know, sometimes you also have these, these bigger festivals where you tend to see the same headliners yes. across the whole country. Um, so that's why the appeal of the smaller ones is more interesting where they're more highly curated, but, you know, the radius clauses can be hundreds of miles for, you know, a year for some of these bigger festivals and makes it harder for certain bands to be able to, you know, for promoters to put one on if they get boxed out of their whole region. Wow. Okay. I never even thought of that. No. Yeah. So thank you for shedding so much light on the industry. I mean, this is really helpful just like, you know, to scratch that itch in my head, but also like, you know, cause we talk with so many musicians, it's really kind of good to put another piece of the puzzle onto that um, we haven't talked to many, um, you know, booking directors no, or anything, you know, so it's it's just giving us a more of an open eye into the industry and what the musicians and, and every, you know, agents and everything has to go through. Well, and one awesome. of the one of the fun things about doing this show has been. Sure, we've talked to O'Teal and Billy Strings and Peter Shapiro and those people. But getting to talk to the up and coming bands is super exciting because they're fired up and they're stoked to be doing everything and anything right now. You know what I mean? And they're creating the infrastructure. Yeah. And, and, and that's the future of the scene that we love and that we're caring for. And for those bands that are up and coming, what's some advice you can give them on how to maneuver the world that you're in? Yeah, great question. I mean, I, you know, just scrolling through some of the recent interviews you guys have done, you guys have done with Eggy and Dogs in a Pile and yeah, that's who Sacred I, that's, Hollow yeah. and Karina yes. and all these people that we work with regularly as well. Um, you know, it's, it's a slow build for a lot of these bands, you know, I mean, look at this, look at the quick success of a band like goose. That's what yes. I, yeah. People think that it was, you know, COVID and they were just, you know, a balloon. We worked with them in, I believe it was 2017 was their first time we worked with them. And it was a small multi-band bill on a weeknight with like 175 people, Whoa. you know, and it's all these bands started somewhere pigeons as well. I remember booking pigeons, in 2012 also for about 150 people you know on a monday night on like an alumni college alumni night you know branded for uh maryland and you know it's one of those things where a lot of these bands 
have been around longer than I think we realize, and mm-hmm. they've been playing the long game, and but they're very persistent. You know, it's riding the wave of like a TikTok streaming thing or like a, you know, some some quick uh, flash in the pan situation is not really going to lead to longevity, uh-huh. but trying to slowly build their audiences in their hometown, trading shows with other bands, you know, getting the right team assembled around them, really honing their craft as well. And then trying to be creative on the types of shows that they're doing, um, what they're performing, you know, mm-hmm. what they're offering an audience. So when they're doing cover sets, when they're getting creative guests, you know, when they're building out a theme night, when they're celebrating some sort of holiday, you know, you look at a lot of these younger bands, it's not just stop 25 on a 43 date tour in the city they've played 10 times in the last 10 years. It's there's some spectacle or event tied to it. Yes. You know, maybe there's custom merch, there's custom something, they're live streaming, they're, they're, you know, selling the recordings. There, there's so many different things that bands can do, not just to kind of get your attention as a fan going to the show to buy a ticket and go to the show, but to also watch it later, listen to it later, come back to it, take home a memento from it, mm. you know, and revisit something like that. You know, there was a lot of, there was a lot of stuff going on with, um, with NFTs tied to ticketing, you know, so you could get your, your digital ticket stub as an NFT. I get it. It's cool. I don't think it's as uh, prevalent or as much, uh, it didn't have as much of an impact as I think people were, thinking it was going to have a year and a half, two years ago when everyone was talking about it. I think the thing right now is still the live show, uh, but being creative in, in how the band deliver the show is, is something I would think is important right now. Okay. That's, that's fair. And, and, you know, you brought up like goose and I actually had this conversation with somebody yesterday, you know, people bring up the, the statement meteoric rise and it, when it really wasn't, it really isn't. We saw Goose open for Pigeons in 2019. 2019, I think. In, in, in like a 750-person room. room here in Portland. And yeah. It, but that's, we're talking hard work to even get to that point. You know, that's doing small runs and, and building your your home market. And then, like you said, trading shows and going out and with a band that's trying to break out of their home market that has the, um, that has a fan base locally. Are you getting phone calls from bands like that? Like, Hey, can we get booked at the bowl? Absolutely. Yeah. We love working with local bands. You know, those are the bands that that really hustle the hardest because, Mm. you know, a lot of the time they're used to playing, rooms that are much smaller and you know being able to have the opportunity to play the venue they really want to deliver on the experience and have the you know be able to get booked again so you know we have like a general booking email that goes to a bunch of different people but you know so we get emails all the time all day all day and all night for years but you know it's 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 one of those things where like word of mouth is important you know, putting in live videos, we, we always suggest bands include like, where do they play? How do they do? Who do they play with? You know, show us some live footage, you know, we'll take chances on bands we've never worked with before. If the vibe is right. And we have the opportunity to book a local, um, not every headliner is carrying tour support with them anymore. Uh, a lot of the time they'll just do their thing. Like we were talking about before touring smarter, they might just tour on their own in a sprinter band 
and then they'll have the venues pick local support who will sell, you know, a hundred tickets or whatever to try to bring out more people to the show. Right. Um, you know, and that's kind of how that all starts. Wow. I never thought about it like that, that, that you could book local bands to bring in, to fill in the gap of that extra hundred or 200 people or whatever. I always figured that the opening band was opening for the headliner as like the headliners doing them a solid so that they could be exposed to their fan base. I never thought about it the other way around. See, when you do it like that, you called it an opener. When you call it support, it's more significant in that regard. It's the same terminology, but you know, it's kind of all optics at that point. Yeah. We're also doing, you know, three band bills of local acts who will hustle. And if each band can bring a hundred people, you know, because of our business model of food and bowling and bar, not just ticket sales, you know, we can make it make sense to book a 300 person local show. And if those bands hustle, we might bring them back, you know, so we've developed relationships like, you know, Lucius at one point, one, uh, one of the members of Lucius was one of our bartenders years ago, you know, so we did an early show with them, the band turquoise, a bunch of them worked, you know, one was a bartender and one was a bowling lane technician for the venue in New York. What? So, wow. you know, we used to do early residencies with them, you know, Monday night residency for, for the whole summer or the spring. So, so what about, um, your, um, desire to play music? Do you still play often? Like, I mean, I can't imagine it's often, but like, do you get to scratch once that a year? Itch? Okay. Once a year. <laughs> yeah, yeah. That's it. Once a year. It was easier when everyone lived in New York and yeah. uh, our guitar player moved to Austin during COVID and he's got a little baby. So now we, we do about once a year and uh, we have a lot of fun doing it. Right on. That's cool, man. That's, that's cool. It, it seems like, like I said earlier, it seems like the best job ever. And you really do have an amazing human being running the ship. Peter is, I, every time I talk to him, I'm like, I can't believe that this guy even remembers who I am, but you know what I mean? That he's genuine and sharp and awesome. And working around people like that, it, it, I've noticed in my life, I'm 51 years old and the quality of people that you have around you rubs off on you over time. And, um, I'm curious, like out of 11 years, can you pick out like one lesson that you've learned working with him that stands out? I think that's a, yeah, that's a, that's a deep question too. I totally see where you're coming from. I would say being genuine Mm. is a really big thing in our business. You know, we, we want to be on the right side of good and bad, you know, mm-hmm. as well. Like we, we always want to present the best of whatever we're doing, the best experience for the band, for the fans, for anybody doing anything in our world, you know, for our employees, you know, so we would rather play the long game and you know, lose money on a show and then rebook it the next time or go above and beyond in some way with an artist or their team, you know, even a little gesture can go a long way. And I think that that's something that, that, you know, we've all learned working under Peter that, you know, going back to vibe, Mm -hmm. if you set the vibe right from the beginning, you know, 
not only will that effect, like you said, rub off on you, but other people are drawn to it. And I think a lot of bands and their teams and people in music and culture, I guess, and entertainment are drawn to people like Peter and the brand of Brooklyn Bowl and Lockin and GD50. And, you know, those things take a lot of time and effort to put together, but it's more about how you do it, mm-hmm. not just what you do. Mm. Yeah. I, my, uh, my whole family is show business family. And um, I grew up around Vegas shows and movies and all that stuff. And, and uh, music business and show business doesn't always get the best rap as far as like genuine being genuine and being true to who you are. And it's, it's been really cool to see that this part of the music business is that that the people that we've come in contact with for the most part are like the best of the best people. And everybody's out to try and help each other to keep the scene vibrant and alive and growing and moving forward and working together and sharing. And it's, it's really, really cool to see. I think that the stuff that you're talking about that you've learned from Peter is, is, prevalent elsewhere out here we're seeing it too i think oh yeah yeah and i'd also say with peter having the we interviewed peter the first time that was pre-covid that was, wasn't yeah, it long, 18 it was a while ago when we first interviewed him and then kind of kept in touch and then getting getting to follow he just has a way of being very genuine and making you feel good about yourself because he's like one of those like kind of like a hero that you know sometimes you're afraid to meet your heroes but meeting him especially <laughs> our our interaction when we were just in denver at ophelia's and he was there was so encouraging and he you just feel it with him i mean because his whole history yeah. you know, starting out on the dead lot back in the day and like he is true to who he was just like we were 30 40 years ago and he's just amazing he, he, he really boosted us when we saw him in in denver yeah for sure it, it it's it's cool to see that the the thing that we all love is alive and well after COVID. Like we we've, we're here, we made it. Now we're moving into the future, and it's healthy. And I, you know, you mentioned like Karina and Sickard Hollow and Eggy Dogs. Is there any band that we might not know about that you're excited about? I really love uh, Mild Life from Australia. Okay. They were supporting Parcels last tour. They've only come over, I think, once or twice. Um, solid band. There's okay. a, it's called uh, Live from South Channel Island, I believe. It's like it, it reminded me of uh, Pink Floyd Live from Pompeii. It's oh, like wow. a full-on drone-based concert video. It's like an hour and whatever long. So they played their record. And they filmed it phenomenally and their live show in person. I saw them, uh, you know, last October and it, it was great. So I think that's a band that everybody should be on the lookout for. Okay. okay. And cool. what do you guys have coming up at the bowl that you're excited about? Oh man, we got Bombino coming up in a few weeks, uh, this weekend. Um, I think this is airing in a few weeks, right? So I yeah, yeah. it'll October be like shows. two, three yeah, weeks. October shows. Yeah. Okay. Got it. Um, we have a lot of great shows coming up. 
got two nights of Andy Frasco. We've got Proxima <laughs> Parada, Talib Kweli with a live band we've done many times. Antibalis, two nights, Trouble No More, Moon Taxi, The Far Side, The Hold Steady, Eggy, Boy Named Banjo, uh, Big Frida, The Slackers, The oh, Wait, Jesus. and then we're doing our four night New Year's Eve with Gogo Bordello. Wow. wow. And then and then you'll sleep. Okay, so um, <laughs> um, one of my last questions. Okay, if if money were no object, and also wherever you wanted, what describe your perfect musical event? My perfect musical. I mean, I would have to go back to my key influences. If I could uh, go to or program a festival yes. that was yeah. Radiohead, Wilco, oh shit, <laughs> the Far Side. <laughs> Tribe Called Quest, what? every possible member of the Soul Aquarians. You know, that would, uh, that'd be pretty exciting. Oh, and they amazing. all had to play together too. Like my morning jacket. Yeah. Where would you put it? Yeah. Oh, that's a tough one. I think I would put it in Austin. Ooh. So it would be maybe, you know, you're not in the middle of nowhere. You're close to a city, but it's not a huge city. Austin or Nashville, maybe just outside of either one. Wow. All right, right let's on. let's get to work on that. I'll help. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, we still we need to go check out Nashville and Austin yeah, too. Yeah, for real. Well, I've been to our, both of those. You guys need to. Yeah, we need. We need oh, to that's come up true. On you have. You guys need to come oh, up. We're slacking. Oh, um, I think that, uh, like I said, the future is is super bright for for the scene, and uh, I know it is with guys like you doing the booking, man. It's it's cool to meet you, Lucas. Thanks, man, for doing this with us. I really appreciate it. I really appreciate it too. This has been a lot of fun. Yeah. Yeah. And uh, anytime you want to come back, just say the word, man. Yeah. Thanks for sharing your wisdom Excellent. and your expertise and just like being candid about it. I know a lot of times back in the, I, I guess I, even before 11 years ago, the music industry was different, right? Like there was, yeah. it, it wasn't as much as like um, doing yourself. There was a lot more, you know, executives at play. So it was like a lot of um, shrouded in mystery, you know? And so thanks for taking a lot of that mystery out yeah, and being true. just oh. forthcoming. And yeah, I, I'm really appreciative. Thank you so much. And, and oh, I was going to say, we, we do this with all the bands we talk to and everything. <laughs> so I know I, I speak for the three Absolutely. of us. <clears throat> when you come out here to scout for where to put Brooklyn Bowl in Portland. Oh, no. <laughs> <laughs> no, no way. If, you if you're ever out here, you and your girl, whatever, you know, we have a nice big home. We like to, we like to entertain. We like to cook. Uh, we you're you're more than welcome. Amazing. We got a great yeah. place, and we can show you around. Oh, that's if you're so not nice familiar you with guys. Portland, for real, you know? man. Um, Do you ever get out to the crocodile in in Seattle? Oh, sorry, in Seattle. Yeah, yeah. I've, See, I've actually. How well, been. I know Portland. I told you. I asked you if you went to a Seattle venue. <laughs> it's all good. That's okay. It's not that far. Yeah, it's We've only been two and a half few. hours up the road. Yeah, not too far. Okay. I last question, and and please, you don't have to name a name, okay? Because that would be indicting somebody. What's the what's the craziest thing you've seen happen in the green room? I wouldn't say it was in the green room, but we did present. We made a cake for a band that sold out the room who'd never played with us before. Uh -huh. And they didn't really say thanks. They just they immediately took it down the stairs, to the green room, out the back door and then threw it in the middle of the road. <gasps> what? Oh. 
my god. That was a punk band. Okay. 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 As I say, does it does it rhyme with uh, Andy Frasco? No. <laughs> I'll let you know in a few weeks when we do that uh, one. Hey, right yeah, on. good luck, man. You know, no, we <laughs> so, love Frasco. So he's amazing. He's so have fun. Thanks, man. So much, Lucas. Have a wonderful day. Take it easy, man. Yeah, and thank you, Becca. Thanks, Becca. Yes. Take Thanks, care. Yeah. Everyone. I forgot one quick thing. Yeah. Oh, sorry, off. oh no, it's not off. Um, I only mentioned those shows in New York. I want to just throw a few for Philly as well. Oh, yeah, let's do, let's do it. We have uh, the Chats, Melvin Seals, Ooh. Two Nights of Lettuce for our Yes. Second anniversary, Roosevelt, Moon Taxi, Lucas Nelson, Damn. The Damned, Pigeons Playing Ping Pong, mm. and a bunch of others. And they're right coming on. Yeah. So, coming yeah, book your shows in Philly or in Williamsburg, man. Yeah. There you go. Cool. Right on. Thanks, awesome. Lucas. We'll talk Thank to you guys soon. so much. Really appreciate it. You too. Take care. Peace. Bye bye. Who said no simple road isn't educational? Yeah, that was that, I that, that was fun. <laughs> did, did you, was I said that you? It was me. Are you the one that I'm said the one. that? Like, the there's no education in no simple road. There is now. Oh, thanks. That was really cool. Yeah. And when I like what what you said, Mel, too, that like it is different nowadays. Like everything used to be so shrouded in secrecy. Like yeah. good fucking luck getting advice from anybody. Advice, or, ideas, like like what you asked, Aaron. Like, what is a new band to fucking figure it out? Yeah. You know what I mean? Like, they're so get a manager. All the things yeah, oh, that, who's paying me to promote their band? Yeah, but all the things that he said, um, they like was open ended, but they're not easy to obtain. Like you still have to do the work. So even if you, you know, like what I mean is like giving the answer isn't always just going to make you get an A. You still have to learn uh, it. He's like, build your local audience. Yeah. It takes time to go do that. (laughs) Be creative with your show. Trade shows with your local band. Yeah. Like he's saying what they're looking for, but you still have to, you know, you have to ante up. That's one thing about Peter Shapiro that I've noticed in the time that we've been doing no simple road is that the people that I've come in contact with that work with and for him, he knows how to um, identify the right person to do the thing. The job. Yeah. He's, he has an eye for, for that. And as somebody that runs something that is like, I think maybe more important than knowing how to do almost anything else. Oh yeah. Dude, well, making a team, like being able to pick a team and like, okay, Apple, you're doing research. Okay, Aaron, you're doing the legwork. Okay, Mel, you're, you know, jazzing up the freaking band. Like you, you you're bringing everybody's best abilities and utilizing them and look at what they've created. Well, that, well then like when we were in Denver, I said like, like, Peter Shapiro being there and Justin Cucci like together and with what they've created like on their impresarios. own. Yeah. Like those two, I mean, it makes sense. Like they hang out and everything. I mean, because what they've created every time we've been to Brooklyn bowl and when we were just up there, you know, like 
everybody working those venues is so happy to be there. Mm. They want to be there. Yeah. They're yeah. there, you know, even though it's still restaurant work and stuff like that, it's different. It is different. Cause when you have just a, re- like a plain restaurant, say the IHOP or whatever, any kind of restaurant, <laughs> why, why you I don't be, know. I just thought of it. So low. Red no, Robin, I don't know. Like uh, even lower. Olive Garden. Like, I don't know. <laughs> yeah, That's a plain restaurant. The plain okay, restaurant. Three times. Yeah. That's, it is just food service. And, that is it. They may have a little bit of an ambiance, but this is an experience. You're going to Brooklyn Bowl. You're getting there at like four or five and staying till past midnight. Uh, That's all like going to an amusement park. Somebody's house. And so you, you have to learn how to entertain and keep people like engaged. And, and to take care of the community. Like he's talking about like, mm-hmm. like the whole th- thinking about every facet of the community and everything. I think like when we were up there and I was talking to one of the cooks when we were at the sound check and just because I, I was like what is it like working here and he just like just boom he was like dude it's so awesome every night is like saturday night it's so fun i've cooked for years the best job i've ever had cooking because it's all about the experience so instead of looking at like that like i hop i'm feeding people when do i clock yeah, out exactly. it's like i'm feeding the, band, microwave I'm feeding the band i'm feeding the people i'm feeding the community who's feeding me so we can you're part of something this. instead of you're just doing your job yeah well, and i remember when we lived in vegas and we would go to the bowl pretty often and it was the same folks most of the time like the same group of people we would see them all the time at each show so it really was like a community inside the bowl. I didn't have that. We didn't have that anywhere That's else. why I said cheers a, because it reminds like where everybody knows your name. Yeah. Like you go there for your Friday night or your weekend night and like it's great and you get to see Uncle Phil and, and you know, every, yeah, you whoever. Get to know. Now, can, can, we, can we get Lucas back on? I got one more question. What is oh, it? I just thought of it with that. It's like how much... I was like, I imagine you don't, but how much turnover is there at a Brooklyn Bowl as far as one percent turnover? I, I imagine it has got to be like low. It, it, yeah, only when the people only leave when their band makes it. Well, yeah, <laughs> <laughs> man, it's it's really cool to see for me, like success, successful folks that have. Love what they do. You can be successful and not love your job. Yeah. Yeah. And it, a lot of people. It makes that. me stoked to talk to people like Lucas to hear them be excited and like, no, man, I'm still growing in this thing. I want to do more. I want to do bigger. Like, that's cool. Because yeah. Mel brought it up while we were talking to him. I just had this conversation today with my manager of like, I'm fine where I'm at with this. I'm, I'm you don't want putting, more responsibility. No, at work. I don't. I want, I want to do more with no simple road. Exactly. You know what yeah. I mean? So you don't want to use squander your energy at your day job because you're busy making your side hustle, your main hustle. So to, to try to grow somewhere you don't want to grow would just take away with what you're doing. I only have so much me to give to the world. Yeah. So, but it's, it's cool to talk to people that uh, really, really dig but what look, they do. He went to school for what he's doing. He interned. He's been in that for 11 years. He's branched out of it. And all of it is true to what he learned in school and what he's done. That's incredible. 
you're yeah. you're like I'm about live music <laughs> well, on every step of the way. And let's let's say this. There was no like we didn't talk to him beforehand and give him the answers to anything. When I brought up up and coming, the first bands he said were Karina, Dogs in a Pile, Eggy, and Sickard Hollow. Yeah. And so that's somebody that really does know what's going on. Well, I mean, and also just what he said, like they're in, in papers, they have, you know, in um, uh, relationships blogs. with Music Institute, like all these different things there. It's not just one thing like, oh, the people that are coming to me, they're reading, they're scouting, they're talking to their friends, they're, you know, all of that. So it's fully all encompassing. I know <laughs> it really is. It's it's, a it's world, awesome. World class professional juggler. Well, and like, like I mean, I'm sure. True. Like he probably doesn't have time to get bored. And the only reason I really asked that is like because you were, you know, we we're talking about growth. Sometimes you're doing what you love, and you're like, I don't want to fucking do nothing else. This is good. I'm doing a good job. I I'm like sad. it. That's I'm getting I'm paid well. Yeah. No, and well that like, part no. But. I'm like people are leaving me alone. I'm just talking about the bigger people. Yeah. You know, bigger ones out there. Just. It's, it's, it is, it's good to see people, um, living their, um, vida loca. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> living la vida loca. Wow. No, living their dreams, Damn you know, man. and, and helping other people. That's one thing. He's living his dream helping while helping other people live theirs. Yep. That's dope. Mm-hmm. Well. Thank you, Lucas, for hanging Thank out with you, us. Thank you, Lucas and yeah. Becca. For- I was just going to say, and Becca, for, I hope you enjoyed it as well, listening to all of us. And please, if you're if you're in one of the cities that is fortunate enough to have a Brooklyn Bowl in it, and you listen, Visit to, it. you listen to this show, you probably already go there, so I don't need to tell you to go there. But if you don't, you should go check it out because it's very cool, and <laughs> you will have a blast. And these people are tending the vibe as as we Yeah, vibe's yeah. huge for them. Yeah. All right. Well, anybody have anything, closing remarks, witty repartee, statement of the week, or anything else before we go? I just think that live music is one of the best privileges that we get, and that as often as you can, you should frequent that, because even if you've seen a band before, or if you haven't seen a band before, whatever's going to happen that evening, no one knows. So you're going to like, a mystery every time you go to a concert. Whoa. Yeah. Heavy, I like man. that. Heavy. It's, it's true. It, it's yeah. true. Even if you've seen that band, even if you've seen it six nights in a row in the same room, something can happen that night. The fire alarm can go off or somebody some, shows up to jump on stage. Yeah. Some dope outfit that the band comments on and now they're playing some disco music. Like you never know no, what you don't. could happen. So there it is. Support you live first. music. Yeah, thank you, Apple. Yeah, we will be back. It supports you. There's worse things you can spend your money on. This is absolutely true. That is true. We've spent a lot of money on worse things. Um, yeah, we'll be back next week with more stuff and things. <laughs> Until then, make sure you follow No Simple Road at No Simple Road. Go to our website, buy some merch, get a tarot reading from Mel and I. Go listen to No Simple Road back catalog. There's a bunch of artists on there that I bet you haven't listened to all of them. Tons. Call 971-808-1524. That's the No Simple Road tepid line. You got three minutes. Open mic. Go. What are you going to say? Go to patreon.com forward slash no simple road. Become a patron. 
Send Yay. us money. Call a tepid line, which he just said. Never yep. mind. Yep. Doubling up on that. Leave us a review on Apple Podcasts and yeah. all that stuff. So All those good things. Take care of each other. Smile at Stranger Safety Third. Love yourself. Love your pets. Who's got our SOs? I don't know who. I don't know. No. I've talked to you guys about Country Fair, too. Talk to you soon. Love Bye. you. Peace. It is now 2024, and the choice is up to you. Do you listen to good podcasts, or do you listen to bad ones? Well, we've got a suggestion for you. How about you listen to a good podcast for the first time in your miserable life? I can think of one. Overnight Drive. Going strong. 11 years now the podcast about nothing your favorite podcast's favorite podcast do you enjoy nothing (laughs) so do we why don't you come over and check it out and stop listening to other podcasts thank you